Good morning. Welcome to the lawn. It is 4th of July weekend. You guys ready for the weekend? And I am here to preach to you, and really most of you just want to know what's going to happen with whatever's in that box. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, so I've got the trifecta of challenges this morning. It's going to be 86 by the time we're done. Everybody okay out there? Okay, good. You're hydrated. You got water with you. I also have kids with us. Where are the kids? Make some noise. Kids! That's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of enthusiasm I need. Uh, so we're doing it family style. Uh, obviously, I've got the distractions of outdoors. And also, about half of you have been chewing on pancakes and sausage and are about eight minutes away from going into a carbohydrate and sugar-induced coma. Am I right? Yeah, some of you are. That's all right. So if somebody falls over next to you, check on them. Just see if they've had pancakes or not. If, get them some water if they haven't had any pancakes. Why do we do this? Why do we keep the kids with us? Why do we do something special like this on the 4th of July? Well, I'll tell you why. Kids are super important here at First Baptist Church. Uh, it, it is so important that we develop kids' faith and do that in the family environment. Listen, your kids are going to have a children's worker that's with them for a year or two. You're going to have a youth worker that's with them for a few years. But they are taking their spiritual cues from you, mom and dad, their whole life as to what their faith is going to look like. And they're going to see that every day, every month, every year for their entire life. So it is so important that we walk together with our kids as families in our spiritual development. So hello to online. Glad you're here. If you're watching this um, at a cabin or at a campsite or whatever, we're glad you're with us this morning. Maybe you'll be watching it later this week, but we're going to talk about America. And I wanted to talk about America because I've been thinking about the 4th of July and what that means for us. And we are called the United States of America. And that's a funny term to me right now. I don't know about you guys, but it's because we don't feel that united right now. We, we just feel very polarized and pulled apart at this moment, whether it's politics or social issues or the news you listen to or whatever. People are dividing over ideologies. And the thing that worries me the most about this is that we look across at someone else and the people on the other side of the issue and we see them as an enemy. We see them as an enemy. Now, following the God of the Bible is really simple. God made this very simple for us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then what are you supposed to do? Love your neighbor as yourself. He also says Jesus tells us to love each other. Christian and brothers and sisters should love each other. And so they will know we are Christians by our love. But the one thing that Jesus says that nobody else says is Jesus says to love your enemies. He says to love your enemies. We are supposed to love our enemies. No other guy has ever said that. God has said that from the beginning. Jesus continues to reiterate it. He's still saying it today that we love our enemies. It's really simple, but it's also very hard. It's very hard to do that. Because here's the thing. Those people that you think are enemies because they have different beliefs than you, they vote differently than you, they think differently than you, live differently than you, I got news for you, they are not the enemy. They are, in fact, your neighbors. That's who they are. They are our neighbors. They are not our enemies. Even if they were our enemies, though, we are still commanded to what? Love our enemies. We're supposed to love our enemies. Now, here's the message that I came to give you today. We do have an enemy. 
We do have an enemy in this country and in this world. And that enemy is called out in scripture in Ephesians chapter 6. If you've got a Bible with you, open it up to Ephesians chapter 6. Pop out your cell phone, pull out your Bible app. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 10. And it says this. Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus. And he says this. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his what? In his mighty power. Put on all of God's what? Armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. So I want you to know we have a spiritual enemy who wants to destroy us. He wants to divide us. And Paul believes in spiritual enemies. And Jesus believed in spiritual enemies. Powers and darkness and forces that are against us. And you may not be thinking about it very much on your day to day, but there is a battle going on in the dark. There's a battle going on in the shadows, in these dark places. And you want a conspiracy theory? Let me give you a conspiracy theory. I'll give you one. There are spiritual enemies out there that threaten our very existence, that want to rob us, of love and joy and peace and hope. And we are in a fight against those enemies, it says in Ephesians 6. And this has nothing to do with our power or our might. It's going to be one because of his mighty power, it says. The Lord's power, the Lord's might. How strong you are in this fight is irrelevant. You don't have to be strong to fight this spiritual enemy, which reminds me of a superhero. An appropriate superhero for 4th of July weekend. He started out as a scrawny kid from Brooklyn. This scrawny kid from Brooklyn is Captain America. And Captain America is really the story of Steve Rogers. And Steve Rogers is this skinny kid from Brooklyn. He's skinny and sickly and and he he, uh, volunteers for this top secret military experiment called Operation Rebirth. And he's chosen because he's, he's altruistic, he's got a patriotic heart, he's full of character. Um, and Steve is injected with this special serum, and then he's bombarded with Vita rays. And these Vita rays, which transform this frail young kid into a, a soldier that is the peak of human existence, a super soldier, right? And Captain America has enhanced strength and speed and agility, and he becomes the sentinel of liberty, and the, uh, basically the, he fights against the Nazis in World War II, and then we saw, if you've seen the movies and know the story, he gets frozen, and then he comes back in present day and continues to fight with the Avengers, right? Anybody else movie nerd like me? Yeah, okay, good. So I, listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, as we continue on and talk about this supernatural enemy that we're battling against. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against what? Evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So what do you do against a supernatural enemy? An enemy that is a super enemy. In the words of Captain America, he says, you got a suit? Suit up. All right, so we're going to suit up. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk through this in Ephesians chapter 6. It says this. Therefore, put on every piece of what? God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. Now, the belt 
is one of the most important parts of your super suit. Do you know that? I, yes, the, suit, the belt is the most important. I'll tell you how you know the belt is the most important. Uh, kids, have you ever seen your dad working on the plumbing underneath the sink? You'll know right then and there that the belt is very important, okay? The belt holds everything together. It ties together the entire outfit. It ties together the whole thing. It's the core of that. And in this scripture, it says that that belt is truth. So how do you know what truth is? How do you surround yourself with truth like a belt? How do you determine what is true and right? Because some people would say, well, I just, I have this internal compass. I just know what's true. Really? Because, I mean, it feels right, so it must be true. Right? And, and, and it's what I think, so, so it's my truth. And, and that's not truth. Others follow what other people are doing. They say, well, everybody else is doing this. I mean, I mean, that's so outdated, what you're thinking about. One of the great things about Captain America is he comes from a long time ago, so he's got these outdated ideals, and, and, and the things that still ring true today is true and right and noble. And as, but as the culture changes, so does your truth. Now get this, Satan's first attack on humanity, his very first time that he attacked humanity, was he basically said, did God really say that? He, he attacks truth. Listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 3. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden?" Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And Satan's response is, you won't die, the servant replied to the woman. It's the first lie in the Bible. It's the first lie in the Bible. And up until now, it's all been gardens and butterflies and aardvarks and people walking around in their birthday suits, which sounds comfortable, very comfortable to me. But at that time, a lie gets introduced and we see that Satan's main weapon, his main weapon in our world is lies. He screams lies at us and the people around us in our lives. That is his main weapon. And Satan's attack on truth begins with an attack on God's word. He says, don't believe God. God doesn't. Don't believe what he says. He can't be trusted. That book, that ancient book that those Christians are carrying around now, that's just stories. It's just fables, right? It has no relevance today. And we tend to either doubt or neglect this truth that we've been given, right? And for some of us, some of us don't even doubt the truth so much as we're just not in the truth enough to know what truth is. We need to immerse ourselves in the truth because if you don't know the truth, you will fall for Satan lies. You'll fall for him. So how are you getting truth in your life? I mean, it's the belt, it's the core, and it holds everything together. Let's go through the rest of this. It says, and the body armor of God's righteousness. Now, I, didn't, I checked the budget and I didn't have money for body armor. But body armor, most of you know, is, the, is the, the, the suit that you put on that protects your vital organs. Some translations call it the breastplate. The breastplate covers your vital organs, right? It's the Kevlar vest. And Paul is saying, be obedient to God. Be righteous. Be obedient to God. Because wherever you are obedient to God, you are protected. You're protected. Whatever part of your life is not surrendered to God in obedience, you are vulnerable. And that's where Satan will find a way to tell the lies that attack you. That's how it works. 
Whether you, when you are not covered in obedience, you know, I know this habit is sinful, but you, you have this temptation that comes back again and again, and you say, I don't know how that happened. One of the, my great uh, Captain America moments is when Captain America, Steve Rogers is first before he's Captain America, he was a scrawny kid who was trying to sign up for the military in World War II. If you know the stories in Brooklyn, he's trying to get into the army and he ends up in a fight with a bully in a movie theater. And he's, he's, he's uh, defending the guys on screen who are fighting. This guy takes him out back of the movie theater and starts to beat him. And he keeps punching him, and Steve would fall down, and he gets back up. He keeps punching him, and he falls down, and he keeps getting back up. And then he uses one of the most famous lines that he will use again and again in all of the movies. He says, I can do this all day. I can do this all day. And the truth of the matter is, is if you've got body armor protecting your most vulnerable parts, the parts that will actually take you out, you really can do this all day. Right? So then it says, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. So you got to take off these sneakers and you got to put on the boots. Right? And these boots are the gospel of peace. Now, boots, your combat boots, your tactical boots, are the mo- one of the most important pieces of equipment that you have because everything that you do stems from being sure-footed. You cannot move forward. You cannot retreat without your boots in place. And what are these boots? Well, they're the gospel, the good news of peace. And we must advance the gospel in people's lives. We must be able to move forward. And we must be able to do it with authority. And we must be able to do it with sure-footedness. What is the gospel, right? Well, the gospel of peace, he's talking about offering forgiveness. That's what brings peace, forgiveness. And when there's been wrongdoing, we bring reconciliation. That's the heart of the gospel. Jesus paid for you on the cross and brought reconciliation between you and God. That's what he did. And it begins with you actively extending forgiveness to those who have wronged you. Nothing aligns you more with our spiritual enemy than trying to hold on to unforgiveness and trying to pay back. And nothing screams louder the gospel or aligns you with Jesus Christ than offering forgiveness and peace. And then we're going to take that gospel forward in every area of our life, right? Then it says in Ephesians 6, 16, in addition to all these things, hold up the, what? The shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the evil one. Any excuse to buy this? You know what I'm talking about? Captain America's like most famous thing is his shield, right? It's made of this indestructible alloy. And, and this indestructible alloy is made of three things. It's made of vibranium from the jungles of Wakanda. It's also made of, of uh, adamantium, which is the thing that's in Wolverine's claws. And lastly, it's made by uh, the, uh, the blacksmiths of, uh, of what do you call it, Thor's planet, as guardian blacksmiths who put this metal uru in it. And it becomes this indestructible shield, right? And the shield of faith makes us impervious to Satan's spiritual assaults. The fiery arrows, 
that they're talking about here. Now, I was going to use real fiery arrows today, but when I called our insurance guy, he said, you're going to do what? And then he said, does Glenn know about this? And I said, no. So instead, I want you to understand that this shield is used to deflect Satan's lies. So I got some kids here with some bows and arrows to shoot fiery Satan lies at me. Are you ready, kids? Come on, make some noise for the kids. Who are not actually evil, let's be honest here. All right, so these are the lies that Satan might shoot at you. And you have to have faith just to be able to deflect these lies. Oh my goodness, one at a time. Hey, listen, if I'm not happy, then God must not love me. That's a lie. Oh oh man, it's on like Donkey Kong over here. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh, look at he was sneaky. Ah, my past defines me. God probably doesn't love me or doesn't want me anymore. Tim can't operate it. Some, oh, wow, he is sneaky over there. Listen, another lie from the enemy is everyone's beliefs are true. I mean, it's all true, right? It all just leads to the same place. Those are ninja-like reflexes, right? Here's another lie of the enemy. Come on, give it to me. Let's see what you got. Wow. Ugh, I'm not good enough. God can never accept me. If there's evil in the world, then God must not exist or God's not really good. Wait, hey! Ugh. I'll give you some other lies, though, that people hear all the time. Is God won't. Like, God won't forgive me. God won't. That's what I was hoping for. Well done. I was thinking somebody was going to get to get one stuck right on the shield. God won't. God won't forgive me anymore. God won't help. God won't hear me. Right? God won't love me. I'll give you another lie of the enemy. It's this. Nobody cares. Let me tell you something. Oh. Oh, God does care. God cares about you and... And we care about you one more. Oh, wow. They're getting better. And the last one is I can't. I can't forgive. I can't overcome this addiction. I can't. Whoa. That was a good one. Give your flaming arrow shooters a hand, would you? You think I can't. I can't overcome this. Everything I touch turns out wrong. Everything I do doesn't work out, right? So the shield of faith, this is, you know what the shield of faith really is? The shield of faith is this idea that I already know what God has shown me about himself. I already know ways that God has shown up in my life and I can hold on to that faith to extinguish the arrows and his lies can't hurt me anymore. Now, not all shields are indestructible, and not everyone's faith is indestructible either. The question is, how do you construct a shield of faith that can withstand the assault? And in the scriptures, in the book of Hebrews, it touches on that. Listen to Hebrews 11.6. It says this, and it is impossible to please God without what? Without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God 
exists and that he rewards those who sincerely what? Seek him. It starts with faith in God, that God is real, that he exists. And then it goes to God is waiting for you. He's been seeking you your whole life and he's just waiting for you to seek him back. And then you see these rewards over and over again in your life. You will see how God has been faithful and it just strengthens your shield. And your shield will be stronger and stronger. And then it says in Ephesians six seventeen to put on salvation as your helmet. Your helmet protects your nugget, your noggin, your head, your thinking. It's, it's this idea of salvation that protects your head, right? The, the thoughts that you put in your head every day are under assault by the enemy too. And so you've got to put thoughts into your head and then protect those thoughts with this idea of salvation that is assured in my life. You know, every morning when I get up, I think of two things that I really want to guide my thinking. And I've said this again and again in sermons is that God can't love me any more than he loves me right now. There is nothing I can do to make God love me more. There's nothing I can do or have done that can make God love me less. Somebody needs to hear that today. That needs to circulate in your brain and you need some protection from the evil one that's lying to you about some stuff. And the second one is this. God, you're all I need today. God, you are all I need today. If I can keep those thoughts in my head and protected and I can hold up the shield of faith, I can stand firm against the evil one because God's love is unconditional and it's also enough. It's enough. Listen to what Romans chapter, oh man, Captain America had good eyesight. There you go. 8, 38. It says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither what? Death, nor life, neither what? Angels, nor what? Neither our fears for today, nor our what? Worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You got to put those ideas in your head and you got to protect them from the evil one with a helmet. And last but not least, Ephesians says, and take the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit, right? Which is the word of God. See, this word of God is our only offensive weapon. It's the thing that, it's the thing that grounds our truth of our belt. It's the thing that we see over and over again and it strengthens our faith. It's the, it's the assurance of salvation that we can put on as our helmet. This book, this ancient book, this book that has been time tested, there is not another book on the face of the earth like this book. No one worth their salt in history. No one will tell you differently. This book is what we base, base our faith on. It strengthens our faith. It gives us the power of reconciliation and forgiveness. It teaches us how to strengthen our faith and assures us of salvation. In Joshua chapter 1, it says this, Be strong and courageous and be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them to the right or to the left. This book, the sword of the Spirit, is what we have in our suit to fight offensively against the enemy. 
Which leads me to... Everybody still awake? Any food comas? Heat strokes? No. Okay, let me give you so what. Captain America is an illustration. It's just an illustration. It's an illustration just like body armor or armor is an illustration in the Bible. But I tend to see spiritual things even in Marvel movies. Let me tell you why. Chris Evans, who plays Captain America, was one time quoted as saying this. He's everything I wish I could be as a man. He's just good for the sake of good. And he says, it's for that reason that I have grown to love Captain America. Listen, Captain America started as a good man. He started as a good man, right? With character and integrity. He then went into a super secret program called Rebirth. Anyone? Anyone seeing the spiritual connection here? And he's infused with the serum and Vita rays, right? And he's fundamentally transformed. We have been talking about the Holy Spirit all year. The Holy Spirit, when it comes into your life, will transform you and give you supernatural power. But even Cap, with his serum and his, and his Vita rays and his superhuman strength and speed and agility, he still has to suit up. And Paul says the same thing. He says, suit up, put on the full armor of God because you are going to be under attack. And those people out there that you disagree with, those people out there that you, that you just think are living wrong, they are under attack too by an enemy, a spiritual enemy. And you need to fight for them. You know, in the second Captain America movie, there's a scene where Captain America is fighting against his best friend, Bucky. And Bucky, Captain America wasn't the only one who was frozen for all those years. His best buddy, Bucky, was frozen, and then he was sort of infiltrated. In fact, they brainwashed him. You could almost say he was demon-possessed. And his mission, his goal in life was to destroy Captain America. And at the end of the movie, there's an epic battle scene between Cap and Bucky. And the head-to-head is intense, and the dialogue is even more Captain America screams at Bucky, you know me. And Bucky says, no, I don't. And Captain America responds. He says, Bucky, you've known me your whole life. Your name is James Buchanan Barnes. And Bucky screams, shut up. Which, by the way, kids, is a bad word. Don't say that, okay? And then Cap drops his shield And he says, I'm not going to fight you. You're my friend. And Bucky charges straight at him and he says, you're my mission. And he raises his arm and Cap says, then finish it. Because I'm with you to the end of the line. And I can't help but think when I watch that scene that no greater love is anyone this that he would lay down his life for his friends. The people out there that you disagree with. The people out there that we are so polarized against. They are not your enemy. We have a spiritual enemy that wants to divide and destroy us. And we have been given the armor to put on every day to fight the fight. To fight for them. To fight to 
to bring them to truth and to love them in ways that they can only imagine in this world that is so filled with hate and vitriol. And so I want to encourage you that as we go into this 4th of July weekend, and many of us get opportunities with our neighbors during this weekend, that you would seize that opportunity and you would think, how can I give up my life for my friends, love my neighbor, and even in that moment where it's really tense, how do I love my enemy, even if you identify him that way? Paul finishes Ephesians with this. It says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And what that really means is that our prayers are sensitive to the Holy Spirit that is with us. The Holy Spirit is constantly prompting and guiding our thoughts and our words. You ask God, God, give me the words. Holy Spirit, would you work through me? Would you give me the words to say in those moments? You're not so much praying to God. You're praying with the Spirit to God alongside God's spirit alive in you. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, in these trying times in our country, in these trying times in our world, Father, would we be aware that there's a lost and hurting world around us? God, these people are not our enemies. They are not our enemies. But God, we know there's a very real spiritual enemy that is working against us, that is working against truth, that is working against salvation, God. Would you use us to fight the fights that need to be fought against that enemy? May we protect and love our neighbors, God. May we speak truth to them in love. Father, may we be your ambassadors in a broken and hurting world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.